Some cats are just thieves. Welcome to Geeks Without God with Molly Glover, Nick Glover, and Tim Wick. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, we are discussing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, theoretically the final film in the Guardians of the Galaxy series, and we will spoil the shit out of it. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Molly Glover, joined as always by my co-hosts, Tim Wick. Hello, I am Tim Wick. And Nick Glover. Hey, hey. And today, we are going to spoil Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So spoil. if you haven't seen it, don't don't listen to this because this is a, you know, it's a movie. And it's a Marvel movie, which means there's all kinds of stuff that happens that you may or may not want to know ahead of time. But I guess if you want to know it ahead of time, go ahead and listen to this because we're going to tell you everything that happens in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we should we should just toss out the the whole the whole content warning thing. That, that yes. movies yeah. don't do. Yes. Uh, in fact, though, I will say before you turn it off, if you're wondering what kind of content warnings are there in this movie, animal violence. <laughs> yes. Well, there there aren't any before the movie. The right. movie doesn't really give anyone a, a right. I've seen a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very concerned. Uh, let's talk about that actually right off the bat, because sure. I have seen uh, some people on things like groups like Twin Cities Geeks uh, saying how they felt like this uh, should not have had a PG-13 rating because of the uh, animal fear. They felt like it was more of an R rating, which I find mm. crazy because mm. PG-13 movies, that's what this is designed for, right? Yeah. Like for kids, but also there's scary stuff like yeah. Temple of <laughs> or or. Maybe just a little bit of boobs. Yeah, I mean the movie. Um, the movie rating system is fucking stupid, anyway, right? It, yeah, it's like, it's, and and we we are desensitized to violence, but super sensitive to sex. And sex is almost always what gets something in our rating, and violence almost yeah. always sex and swears. Yeah, and, and yeah, desensitized to swear words. It's like you yes. can't say fuck more than twice without going to a an R rating, which is just like Correct. What, what what the fuck? Hello, I just yeah. made made this a rated R podcast which we knew anyway oh, it was right? already a radio yeah. podcast <laughs> but so this movie does i mean uh, it, a lot of people like me are a lot of people are like me and don't read about what a movie is going to be about and don't see a lot of trailers especially for marvel movies because they tend to show the whole movie uh in I, the trailers i've seen more and more people in the past few years kind of move in that direction of like i stop i'll watch one trailer the first one and then i'm I'm done because they're just too, they're giving away too much. Yeah. I'm already going to see the movie. I don't need to be convinced or hyped. Yeah. So if you watched even like the first trailer, which is about what I watched, uh, you you'll probably would have noticed that Rocket is uh, seemingly hurt, maybe dying. Uh, it just seems that way. And, and they show and a lot of, a lot of the guardians in anguish. Yeah. A lot of trailers. people are really upset. And so it seemed I would going into this, I was like, this is going to be a uh, rocket. This rocket's going to be in peril. I just had an, yeah. a feeling about that based on what it showed. I did not know we were going to be seeing a uh, rocket's origin story, which if I had known, I would have put together. That's going to involve a lot of 
animal abuse. Right, right? because it's basically implied that's what happened to him. I mean, in, in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. 1, we're told that's what yes. happened to him. We know that's what we know that's based. I mean, he's got a whole mess of scars and some kind of apparatus on his bare back. It's yeah. fucked up. Yeah. It looks bad. Yeah, we know we know some shit went down. But I think what's what's interesting about this this debate um or this conversation is movies have never had content warnings really aside from the ratings. Now, sometimes the ratings say this movie is rated PG 13 for this and that and the other, you know, and, and in this particular case, I think it probably is rated PG 13 for like cartoon violence or, and, and some, some coarse language or something like that. And it doesn't go into really big detail about, you know, animal cruelty, um, which clearly is something that triggers, uh, and uh, enough people to to bring it up online and and say that it's a real issue. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's a really difficult situation, right? It, it, movies have never done this, so some of the responsibility lies with the moviegoer. Sure. If if yep. there's something that really really bothers them, to find out before oh, they sure. go to the theater. I always find out if there's if it looks like there's going to be spiders. I know. I ask people to tell me if they've seen it. I try to like steal myself against it. And there are resources like uh, IMDb's movie watcher guide and does the dog die.com, yep. which doesn't just cover the dog dying in movie. It also covers a huge variety of potential um, triggers for anyone. If you're have yes. anything you're particularly sensitive about, you can look up any movie you're about to see there and or TV show or TV say. show. Yep. And a lot of those resources are spoiler free unless you want spoilers. They'll just tell you, here's what you're going to see. Yeah. And I I will say that the problem with that is that if you you see it on opening night, we saw it literally the Thursday it opened. Right. One, you know, among the first shows. So unless somebody has gone and updated that that resource, you know, from the the previews that they saw as part of their media package. Right. Yeah. I, you know, One thing you see a lot, you saw a lot in this movie that is this isn't a spoiler, is um, there was a lot of very like over the top gore, but it was all very alien gore. Mm-hmm. None of it was human blood, and that's another kind of a like PG thirteen versus R type thing. Is if you have a lot of blood splatter and human dismemberment, that can get you to an R very quickly. But if you if your splatter is purple or green or in the case of this movie a lot of it bright yellow and gold and the dismemberment isn't human but is clearly monster or alien sentience doesn't matter just as long as it's not a person there's it can be considered fantasy violence yes and and it doesn't make it any less violent like just because the sentient being that you're you know cutting the heads and arms off of isn't a, a human doesn't necessarily make it less impactful on someone especially if you have an emotional attachment to the the characters or you're young i mean young kids yeah. that's the other thing too i was i it's funny i commented when we left the theater uh the opening scene to this movie is a uh, uh, a bunch of baby raccoons and they're so cute and they're in a cage and it's very obviously immediately i'm like i don't like this bunch of caged <laughs> baby raccoons and then there's this menacing hand that reaches in very dramatically with stirring music and it it scared the sh- i mean i knew what was going on but i was like i felt fear as an adult woman who has seen a lot of shit <laughs> i can't even imagine what it must have been like to be 10 you know, you know, like basically brand new in the world. And that kind of it's the kind of thing that would have really scared me as a kid. And I remember thinking some kids going to have nightmares 
about this like grasping hand and not really understand why, you yeah. know, just because it's that it's like I was really afraid of Slimer because the first I saw Ghostbusters <laughs> when I was like nine and I was really afraid of Slimer sure. because they made it sound like he was a scary ghost. Like everyone was afraid of him, you know, like and yeah, but I think so. I guess the the the, the main thing I wanted to bring up with this is that uh, if you are listening still, we are going to talk a little bit about animal violence. There is a lot of animal violence done. So if that is a problem for you, us even talking about it, maybe just sit this one out and definitely don't see that movie. Yeah. So moving on to the movie. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, the movie. Yes. So Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, uh, I, I I don't think we need to do an overview because if people are listening to this, they probably saw it. You'd but, think, uh, you'd think, you'd hope gener- even. Yeah. Generally, we, we start with uh, uh, Gamora is, excuse me, uh, she is back from the Soul Stone, but she doesn't, if you remember from other movies, she doesn't remember who anybody is. She doesn't remember anything before basically meeting up with Peter Quill. She's all old Gamora. Well, it's alter. Yeah, it's alternate universe. Yes, uh, Gamora. Well, but she. But it seems like the the, the universe was exactly the same right. until up right. until like the, the events of Guardians of the Galaxy One. So, so she remembers everything before that first movie is what it seems to her. That's all. You know, Nebula's still her sister. Her dad's yeah. still Thanos. All that. Um, but they're trying to win her over. She's part of the team. They're trying to convince her to join and and stop being. I mean, frankly, kind of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) She's crappy. (laughs) Uh, But, and then we've got there, and then, you know, so Rocket, they get hurt. Rocket gets hurt. They can't operate on him because something in his body, some prior, um, what is it? Uh, Proprietary technology is it has a a kill kill switch. He's got a kill switch. Yeah. Yep. So if they're going to operate on him, if they're going to do anything, it's going to kill him. So they have to go find, they figure, oh, they find the name of the lab on the chip and they're going to go hunt it down and figure out who did this to Rocket and what, and everything about him. And that's basically the story. Yep. I mean, like, functionally, we've also got uh, the, the uh, Nova Corps uh, and they're uh, mad. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not the Nova Corps. The, that's uh, the, uh, that's the sovereigns. The sovereigns. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. They're all they're all they're all in space gold gold yeah. space. Well, they're, it's, they're they're mad at the Guardians because they stole the Guardians stole their batteries in Guardians of yes. the Galaxy too. Yeah, Rocket specifically Rocket. stole the battery. Yeah. He does that. Uh and then uh what oh and then so we meet um Adam some new characters. We meet Adam Warlock, which I think we met him before, but he didn't yeah. really do anything. We we saw the cocoon and then we saw him hatch, I think. Think. Yeah, no, I thought I thought uh, we only just saw the cocoon at the end of. Uh, maybe you're right. Yeah, two. I don't think we've seen anything of him since. Yeah, we get to see a fully functional Adam Warlock. <laughs> well, I mean, quite. you know, he's he's not. They didn't let the paint dry on him. Yeah, he's still, he's, not, he's still a little. Uh, I don't want to say young because it implies that just because you're young, you're kind of dumb. But he's kind of dumb. <laughs> there's a there's a kind of a um, like an innocence to him that. I think like James Gunn likes to do this kind of a different flavors of naive characters. Um, It's, we see it with Drax. um, Mm -hmm. We see it a little bit with um, Mantis and Nebula. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then in like Peacemaker, he has characters that are kind of so dumb that things kind of go over them Mm -hmm. because they're naive in some, in certain ways. Peacemaker's like that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so uh, he, he seems to be, very fond of that. I liked. I liked Adam Warlock. I think oh, yeah. the way I would I would define Adam Warlock is he's not ripe yet. 
Yeah. Yes. Right. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let the paint dry. Let the fruit yeah. ripen. Like, yeah, yeah he, yep. he hatched too soon. <laughs> uh-huh. Pull them out of the oven a little early. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like he needs, he needs some time to, he needs to rest a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I liked, I liked how desperate he was to please his mother. I liked how he, he was, it, he had a very much kind of a mom, mom, look at me. Mom, I'm doing my handstand. Mom. You know, like, and, like, yeah. and it just felt like a kid in the pool, right? Like, um, but let's talk. So let's talk about what did we like? What was uh, what was one of your favorite parts? You know, there's a there's a lot there's a lot to like in this. There is. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I so this was the first f bomb in all of the MCU. Oh, uh, uh, I think potentially not including any of the Netflix stuff. Maybe. Well, the Netflix stuff. Um, is- yeah, great, yeah, great best. right. There's yeah. an asterisk next to yeah. that. So, um, when they're when they're getting into the car on <laughs> Counter Earth, and Nebula is trying to get in, and she can't figure out the door, and and Star Lord says, uh, "Open the fucking door." <laughs> and one thing that I I think is especially great about this, I know it's such a stupid thing to maybe have as a favorite moment, but people have been trying to improvise in the first utterance of fuck in the mcu <laughs> like trying to guess for years no people have actors oh actors have been trying to get it because it hasn't been in any script sure and so actors have been trying to make their cut the perfect one where it's like that's it we're gonna we, use that we'll one use it and apparently like samuel jackson amongst others have have been trying to slip in the first one yeah and this wasn't in the script it was improvised oh. by chris pratt apparently that's great and so that's the that's the first one and congratulations it, it does make sense everyone. you know i mean if there was a character that would be the first one to swear in the mcu peter quill is logical yeah it, it i makes, think so too and oh sorry yeah it just makes sense that he'd be the first one to swear also, it makes sense that uh, it actually makes sense that Chris Pratt would be the one to pull it off because he is a, a comedic improvising master. Honestly, when it comes to most of the best office bloopers with oh with, with, with him are with Andy Dwyer and him just riffing, just just you know improvising jokes, things they had to cut because they were too dirty. Oh yeah, things they left in that I mean that are just slaying you, and then you find out later it wasn't even in the script. He just yeah. he just there, was so in character. He just felt like that's what Andy would say. I feel like and two of the funniest moments from Parks and Rec were things that were actually cut and not in it that were him yeah, specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so uh, yeah, so that I don't know. I, that is that is a good moment. Uh, Tim, yeah. what about you? What's uh, what's a, what's a scene or a moment that you really loved? You know and. <laughs> There are characters that I really love, and I hate to go back to another another Star Lord moment, but oh, it was—I yeah. I just really enjoyed the moment when they're they're on the on the organic planet, and he's uh, convinced convinced the uh, the the administrator woman to uh, allow him to speak to everybody to try and convince them that they have a they have a a really honorable motivation, and and she buys it, and she she gives him control and he's like yeah that's not what i'm going to do i'm just using this to get ourselves out of this and i right. thought that was yeah. great it's like it is it is really smart and it's funny 
And it makes perfect sense that, you know, he would use he would use his charm. He's you know, if if we're using D and D characters, then Star Lord's yeah. kind of the kind of the bard character. So, so he uh, he kind of charms uh, charms this this woman into doing what he needs her to do, and she thinks she's doing it for a completely different reason. And it doesn't even look like she's pissed when he <laughs> when he's like, "Yeah, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this other thing that's way more useful." It kind of reminded me of that, like a similar scene with a scoundrel is like Han Solo. Like we're fine, we're fine here. Everything's everything's good. How how are you? That, <laughs> yeah. that, that whole moment, like it was a similar. It felt like uh, the character riffing and improvising, and they're both kind of you know space scoundrels. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. they've got a lot of a lot of overlap there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I uh, I really I really loved the music uh, this time, and I mean that's surprising no one because it was like you know a lot of. Uh, uh, 90s stuff and a this lot time of around. the machine yeah but uh there was that was the one thing that i thought was weird was it was it seemed like they implied at the end that rocket had been listening to a 90s playlist but then there was a bunch of modern music that was also mixed in the florence and the machine song was the one thing that i did not think fit at all it well, was really weird the florence of the machine wasn't necessarily on the zoom that's just the song that's playing over the ending yes yeah, so where they're all but, dancing well and where well, it, no it is on the zoom because he skips forward to 2000s oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, hits yeah. play yeah. right that is that's absolutely yeah. the song that's playing but uh, it was a weird choice. That's all right. It's a it's a good song. I love that song. It's, but... it's the start of a new era. That's but I, the, yeah. That's the but I really thing. I really liked all of the '90s music. I thought it fit really well with what was going on. Uh, I liked that Rocket was sort of dreaming it while also like he was. It was in his like you know. It felt like he was kind of in this that comatose state he was in was very cool. Uh, I just kind of liked that the way that they they brought all that in. Um, uh, to it and you know much like with the captain marvel movie i, I mean that's the music i love the most is 90s sure, music so sure. it was just you know it made me feel go ha <laughs> <laughs> um let's talk about uh well, funniest moments uh something that you thought was super funny or uh, uh oh boy because I think Nick's and mine is probably the same. Is it? Is it? Is it Cosmo? Is it you're a bad dog? The Cosmo <laughs> bit with the you're a bad dog. Yeah. That that is that the was funniest. hilarious. I, I just the whole like you take that back. You can't say that. That's, That's Maria uh, Bakalova, who played Borat's daughter in the in the Borat sequel subsequent movie film. Um, she's been in a couple of things she's since great. then. She's she's very funny, and I. I, she stole the show as as Cosmo for sure. I, I absolutely hilarious stuff. Good good deal. Like that bit was funny, but just Cosmo in general yes. was so funny. Yeah. Anytime she was on, it made me laugh. Just the ways that she she has so much pathos because she's like meant to be like Laika. You know, it's like it's it's like if Laika uh, survived. Right. And went to deep space. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's, well, that's. I mean, isn't that just, literally what what she is? Is effectively Laika. Yeah, more, more or less. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's just I I really I just love that she's got this whole kind of like, yes, well they put me in a speed you know, kind of yeah. like, ah, uh, life you know so difficult, but here I am and, and just yeah I really I love Cosmo and she's like the administrator of nowhere. She yeah. seems to be in charge of of the whole yeah, deal, which is hilarious because she has I mean like she has a bubble on her head for a lot. She can't even use her mouth like for as a tool sometimes. I, I don't think she has the actual. She, was she wearing it? it for it? I thought she was. No, I don't know. I don't maybe re- I'm thinking of the space thing. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, I love yeah. Cosmo. Cosmo's great. Yeah. What about you, Tim? Uh, there were a lot of moments with Mantis that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed when she's like telling the, makes the one dude fall in love with Drax. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it was really funny, but I think, um, you know, I'm not going to say that the MCU is great when it comes to to queer stuff, but at the same time, there's never a moment where the issue is, oh my God, you made a dude fall in love with Drax. Drax wasn't pissed that it was a guy in love with him. He was pissed that it was this guy in love with him. And that Um, it's happened before. Yeah. Just anyone. He doesn't want anyone to fall in love with him. Like I did think, and and yeah, just, and I think that make it by making it, I don't know. They, they definitely made it seem like he was just like, stop. Like he's a stranger. I don't want this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think that was a tricky, tricky tightrope they walked, right. They, they tried really hard not to make the comedy that it was a mm-hmm. dude flirting with another dude. I and, never got that impression. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't, it, it didn't feel even like flirting so much as just like dramatic devotion. Super crush. It has, like, has just a super just crush. So Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I and it was really it was funny and I just respect the work that they did, you mm-hmm. know, or didn't do. I don't know how hard they worked, but they seemed to make an effort to be like, we're not making fun of gay people. We're not making yeah. fun of homosexuality. We're just making this about right. a dude who has a crush on another dude. And that's totally and it's awkward because the other dude doesn't want this to be going on at all. The oh. only the only way I think that could have been funnier is if instead of Drax getting mad and kind of storming off, if he had just been if they had leaned into his Draxness more and him just being like, like, well, this is ridiculous. I'm like, he's way out of my league. There's no way someone like this would ever, you know, like, like Mantis, you're ridiculous. Quit making all these incredibly attractive yeah. people fall in love with me. Oh, that you know, would have been good. That would have been that good. Yeah. Been, like they could have made it more like instead of it being like, oh, stop, just more of a like. You know, this premise is what I find. Yeah. This premise is illogical. Stop this. Sure. Like, <laughs> you, you know, Still, I like that. The- I like that moment. It made me laugh. It was it was yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, another part that I really uh, loved that I, I think it's like a two part thing where um, Rock is going back to where the whole 89 project is occurring as they're, everyone else is kind of escaping from the high evolutionaries uh, domain or ship and uh he sees the ra- the raccoon cage and he sees the plaque that says raccoon and he's just just motherfucker like, he's, just like, <laughs> he's like god, god damn it that was and gonna then, be my funniest moment i forgot about that and my then the, the the payoff from that is so great when you know i'm rocket raccoon at the yeah end. says his full yeah his full name for the first time is is said and uh i i thought that was a good joke. It had lots of pathos and it was funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the the animals, the 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 foursome, the the we happy four. Uh, uh, teeth, Lila, and teeths, Floor. Or teeths. teeths. Yeah. Teeths. Lila and Floor. <laughs> yes. How how bad was Floor for you on a on the spider scale? I hated Floor. <laughs> uh, uh, I I hated Floor because. I didn't, yeah, the spideriness was part of it. Much like I really hate the doll head toy in Toy Story. Oh, sure. Uh, Similarly, I just, I just, I didn't like it. But also I hated Floor because it was the worst of the animals. I felt the worst for Floor because Floor was stupid. Like they, they, and had this like horrible, it looked like Floor had had the most horrible surgeries. I don't know. It just, I, that, that bunny gave me the worst no, I thought she wasn't a bunny. What was it? Yeah, bunny. Yeah, it was a bunny. bunny. Okay. It was a bunny. Yeah. This, that gave me the worst of the like, Jesus Christ, these poor. And I think also since rabbits are experimented on in 
Yeah. Like for makeup and stuff. Like I've seen a lot of stuff about bunnies being tortured and it made it almost a little worse. Tim, have you ever seen the comic We Three by Grant Morrison? No. Um, It's a, a dog, a cat, and a rabbit are experimented upon and given sort of... um. They're weaponized with little little weaponized suits and increased intelligence. But I mean, the dog is the smartest one because it's, you know, uplifted. And the cat is fairly smart as well, but, you know, a little bit more animalistic or independent. And the rabbit is, you know, it speaks a little, but it's monosyllabic and pretty mm-hmm. stupid. These animals reminded me yeah. a lot of We Three. And no less sad than We Three, which is an absolute fucking tearjerker of a comic, too. Um uh, what did you so what did you guys think about the, the I mean was it did we need that like did did it feel did the animals having those animals feel important like like I, I think the obvious parallel they were trying to draw was like you know Rocket had his group and then he was pulled away from them and so probably he swore he would never have you know a, a real family again and now he does that at least seemed to me to be what they were showing us but I didn't really need to know that he had tragedy for a reason why he didn't why he was a loner, I guess it was, you know, it didn't, it didn't contradict anything and it did reinforce everything they've shown. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a couple of things there that I think fit. Uh, one rocket has never been willing to talk about his past. This tells us why, uh, to my, uh, wife and friend of the show, Pat Wick, uh, she actually brought up the fact that, um, the the high evolutionary one of the things all he wants to do is study rocket's brain and he doesn't think about right. anything else that has caused rocket to be as extraordinary as he is and one of the things might be that he had friends and that mm. that he had a support structure at a time when he desperately needed one um and uh, so that was something that that that, that storyline suggests that rocket had which is what made him strong enough to get where he ended up. Uh, and I think, I think the other thing that it, it was important for is just, you know, we have to kind of understand what kind of a fucker the high evolutionary is. And I suppose, you know, when he destroys an entire planet of his creations because they aren't perfect, we get that. But, uh, but I, I think, I think the whole idea is we kind of, we, the high evolutionary is a, is is a really compelling villain. We haven't really talked about him yeah. about him that much. I mean, he's getting he, there. he's he's a good villain from the perspective of he's just a nasty ass motherfucker. Um, yeah. But to see the other experiments that he's been doing beyond Rocket, and I don't know. To me, it was like it gave more depth to what the High Evolutionary was capable of, what he was into, uh, and it had other other points that I think were useful. So to me, I thought they were they were actually. Uh, useful characters. I agree. I think, I think they were important and I think they didn't, they did a good job of, of, as you're saying, really underscoring the high evolutionary's cruelty uh, and, and, and his complete uh, pursuit of his goals, which he considers to be moral and just, Yeah. uh, which I think always makes a good villain. Or or at least noble. It's funny because I saw somebody comment. This is what the reason I thought this was, I, I, I wanted to ask this was I saw somebody comment that the entire and the the entire plot line with the four with his with the three friends that all of that was just like sentimental whatever and all of that could have been cut and it didn't really add anything other than you know tear jerking you know emotions yeah. which I I disagree but I do think that 
you know, it, it, somebody else said that what they liked about the high evolutionary was that we finally had a pure villain yeah. that wasn't black and white. And it's like, or that wasn't gray area. That was black and white. And it's like, right. But this villain still thinks he's morally correct. The best, villains, still the do, best villains do. He's still the hero of his own story. He's absolutely, he doesn't think he's doing evil. He thinks well, he's doing good. I, I think. I think it, maybe he thinks that his his goal is noble and worth the sacrifice, but also like he clearly doesn't shed any tears. He doesn't feel bad about anything he's doing, mm-hmm. but it does seem like it's not about the greater good. It's about a noble cause. If that does that distinction make sense? I like, think so. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not like he wants peace in the, in the galaxy or anything like, like that. He wants a, a perfect being. Yeah. He has a he has a, a goal, not like, you know, the greater good of, of everyone. And let the, me go back uh, the, and address address this person I don't know who said, you know, that, that those scenes added just sentimentality. Yeah. Uh, number one, that has been part of the formula of Guardians of the Galaxy from day one. So yeah. who gives a shit? And number two, uh, they don't know anything about storytelling. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> just You heard it here first, yeah. folks. Tim Wick doesn't like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, whoever that, oh, whoever that guy is on the, on the internet, and yes, I assumed it was a guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess I'm assuming too. <laughs> uh, I will say that the actor who played the high evolutionary, uh, Chukuri Awuji, was fucking incredible like he's, he's in peacemaker too right i don't know no i don't know i have hard looked. to tell with all the makeup. i haven't looked yeah, yeah yeah uh that i feel like that guy showed up and just ate his lines for lunch oh, oh, like yeah. just absolutely fucking i the the his i mean it didn't hurt his the makeup was incredible that this tautness of his skin being stretched back on those tenter hooks to hook onto his you know, so he'd have like a skin face on whatever his, oh my God, that tension, those just echoed through his voice and his emotions. He just seemed so high strung. Like he just seemed like at any moment he was going to fucking snap, yeah. which is just great. He's Mern in Peacemaker. Okay. Yeah, All yeah, right. yeah. Um, He's like Royal Shakespearean mm-hmm. acting company background. That doesn't like, surprise me at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. I just, I was just so... I absolutely, absolutely adored that. Sometimes uh, when villains are played so high key, it can feel cartoony and take away from the movie for me. And I don't feel like that happened here with the high evolutionary. I felt like it was, it was the right acting choice. People said, are saying that he is um, yet another in a series of like queer coded villains along the same lines as like Jafar or Scar. Interesting. Um, in in his his like grand gestures, his color palette they use for his costuming. Oh, so um, straights can't be fancy um, now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's not about can't be. It's about you know the the coat yeah, of the character. Yeah, I and I, I've seen people argue about it both ways, and I I, I don't have any claims to yeah. make in that regard. But it's just a, a an interesting note people have. Observed. You know, if if I were to, and I didn't read that, but obviously I'm not. I'm not necessarily noticing those things. Uh, if I was, if I was to make a speculation, I would, I would actually put him more in the ace category than in the, in the queer category. That's still queer. Yeah. Well, you know, yes. Sorry. In the ace category versus the gay category. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I sure. Uh. <laughs> we, we don't see him die. 
he is left to he's left to die on the ship where he probably dies. But I mean, maybe not. I so, mean, you'd think he would. It doesn't seem like. So? Yeah. But, but, you know, it's the comics. So yeah. there, you know, you never know. If you don't uh, die on screen. I, I fucking count. thought Gamora died. I'll tell you that much. Well, she did. <laughs> So she, she 100% did. Uh, let's talk about uh, maybe something we didn't like. Sure. Was there anything that you didn't like in the movie or that rubbed you the wrong way or that you maybe think entirely could have been cut with no detriment to the plot? <laughs> um, if, if anything rubbed me the wrong way, and it wasn't awful, but it, <clears throat> when I think about the timeline of where Gamora Prime uh, mm-hmm. comes from, she comes from basically the opening her her timeline starts around the opening of guardians one mm-hmm. and she's having you know she's already morally decided that thanos needs to go down and there seems to be a backslide in gamora's morality by by you know going to the ravagers and it feels like her personality changes in a way that doesn't make total sense to me from where I think she was at the beginning of Guardians One. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I get that. And, and 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 you know, it wasn't awful. It wasn't. It was, and I don't have a problem that she didn't have. She didn't have feelings for for Quill, and that's cool. Right. Uh, it was just like I would have thought her character would have had more of a moral center of wanting to do the right thing because she was really the first of the Guardians in Guardians One that had that moral center that was trying to get the others to do the right thing uh, and have her just kind of be like, Nope, she's not, she's not that, that person at all anymore. Felt a little weird. I, my head cannon uh, is uh, that she does remember, but she has, uh, mm-hmm. it is so locked away and she was so traumatized by her father, her adoptive father murdering her for his own gain and being ripped away from the world and everything and being gone. Who knows what she experienced being trapped, you know, in the soul stone or being sacrificed to it or what her consciousness experienced. So that's my head canon is she absolutely does remember all that in a way that she doesn't quite understand, like completely repressed blacked out trauma that's making her go, Oh, well trying to save the world fucking sucks. So I'm going to go be a pirate and I can't even bring myself to think about Peter Quill because that is too much pain. And that, that I know that's not actually what it is, but to me that made the movie so much more enjoyable. Once I started thinking that way during the, I was about halfway through the movie. I was like, man, what if she does remember, what if they're going to say her being like, look, I know. Okay. I do, but I don't, I can't, you know, and that, that made it more enjoyable for me. It made it make more sense. So I kind of wish that was what has happened. I, um, I think my least favorite part is when Craiglin has the vision of Yondu about like controlling sure. the arrow. He's like, he like appears to him and is like, you know, I don't know. It was, it was, it was yeah. an Obi-Wan Kenobi moment, right? You know, yeah, it was just, use the force, Luke. Let go. It, it you was can't, just, you can't fight. You're not good enough. You I know, mean, oh, but then I remember my master and suddenly yeah. I find the power. Like it was, it was, it didn't happen. Right. Like it, it wasn't a thing that really happened. It was a thing that he imagines or that, that, you know, he sees. Right. It wasn't like Yondu's ghost literally appeared and, and cheered him on right. or whatever. And I just was like, I, you know, eh, like Craiglin's played by James Gunn's brother. I don't know. Like, 
I feel like maybe I don't want to say like favoritism or anything like that. I don't mean to imply that, but maybe a little bit of a blind spot on Gunn's mm. part for the character because it's. Well, he didn't write it though. I think he did. Did he? Yeah, I think oh, so. I think okay. so. But I mean, well, that would, that would... I think anyone who's writing a Marvel movie is also writing by oh, yeah, committee. Yeah, so, written, written and directed. Um, right. So, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I thought that part was so unnecessary and goofy without, like, off theme goofy. Yeah. Um, off universe goofy, goofy <laughs> for that matter. It doesn't really fit the whole MCU, in my opinion. But yeah. I, uh, my least favorite part was uh the when rocket is dying and he's being brought with his little friends oh, and yeah. uh for some fucking reason his his uh his uh otter friend has grown up and they're kissing and like romantically in love even though they were like children in the thing i, I thought they were just embracing i don't know it felt really weird it felt weirdly romantic to me and it felt and then the whole like oh we can't wait we're all here for you to join us except not now and it was like oh for fuck's sake like it just was so that to me was overly sentimental yeah the white the white light moment i agree that was not a great and moment it, it cheapened what they had when yeah. they were in when they were, if he had just, if he had just been going toward the light and then had been like to himself, like, no, you know, like, or something, I don't know, anything. I also hate the going toward the light. Yeah. Oh, here's heaven. Don't you want heaven where all of the people you lost are here for you? Oh, back to the real world, sucker. I don't know. <laughs> I, that, that just, it, it always cheapens the stuff that happened for real. And what happened for real with them was so great, even though every time that otter said, it's good to have friends. I was like, oh my fucking God, this is going to be so bad. <laughs> like These four little animals with their bleeding, horrible sores. And the first thing Rocket says is hurts. And then like, it's good to have friends. Oh no. <laughs> just, oh yeah. Oh, they're, no. they're, they're all so fucked. You just know they're <laughs> fucked. Uh, yeah. It, 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 it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that those, those three, three friends of Rockets were not, not going to make it to the final reality. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> but I, I agree. I, I thought that the, the going to the light moment is just, it's so, it's like, it's in so many things. And uh, yeah. there's so much creative and smart about these movies that it felt cheap. And yep. and yeah. it's like, yep. I, I don't expect that kind of really clunky cliche out of Yeah, yeah. yeah. The cliche of it all. Because usually these movies, yeah. they, 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 do the unexpected, right? They're usually doing something that that turns tropes, it around. Not cliches, exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah. Tropes, not yeah. cliches. Yeah. No, I mean, like it's a cliche. Oh, yes, yes. Tropes are good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Is there I, anything else that we haven't touched on that you guys want to make sure we talk yeah, about with this movie? One or two things. So, uh, uh, I want to get your guys' opinion on this because I've seen people debating it online. I, I have an opinion. Oh, that's uh, exciting. So, at the end of the movie, when Groot says, "I love you guys." Is that Groot saying something other than I love I am Groot? Or is that showing that the audience has grown close enough to Groot that we can understand him now? Ugh, because I, they I show that like ev <laughs> everyone that's close to Groot can understand him, right? Once you've spent enough time mm -hmm. with him, you start to get it. So does that mean we, the audience, have been with Groot long enough where we can now understand him in this moment? Or is he saying something, verbalizing something other than I am Groot? 
I think that is a very sweet sentiment, but I don't believe there is enough evidence within the film to be certain that that is true. (laughs) Does he ever say anything other than I am Groot or we are Groot in the comics? Not really. So I think that it was. Yes, with an asterisk. Yeah, I, I, oh boy. I uh, I uh, I also didn't like that. It wasn't my least favorite thing, but it, when it happened, I was like, okay, like it's just imagine like, Chewbacca all of a yeah. sudden went, "Hey guys, I speak basic now." Yeah. <laughs> it's just like he, okay. He, at the end of the first one, he says like, "We are Groot." He right? says, "We are Groot." Yeah. So, so I think there's evidence to support that he is capable of saying things other than if, you know, "I am Groot." If right? he had just said. I love you or I love you all or something. It's the guys for me yeah. that just took me right out of it. Like I just, the, I love you guys. Too no, casual who's for such a... a little too casual. And also like, I guess who has he heard say that specifically that way? Uh, Chris Pratt, star Lord, star Lord. Yeah. I guess like Seems most likely. And so it, it feels like that. I don't know. That's, that's the only part that took me out of it. But I guess to your question, I would say, I, I think that it is him actually saying the words. Okay. I love you guys. Right. Tim, you think? I, I think so. I mean, I, th- like I say, I think it's a sweet interpretation of what happened there, but I don't, I don't see enough evidence to say that that's what is really happening. I, I have an opinion, but more than having an opinion, I don't give a fuck. What's your opinion? My opinion is, uh, I mean, beyond it doesn't matter is I think he's saying something else. I think he's not, he's not, we're not understanding you, him as the You audience. think he's saying, in, I think he's saying words, yes, or, the, or the whatever. The common, whatever. Yeah, whatever the speaking. right yeah. language they're speaking. He, yeah. He's saying different words yeah. that fit with his meaning or which, intention. Which, so like that to me makes more sense than the other thing, just because uh, he he was from being a baby through this development right. was around them all speaking all the time. Yeah, and previously it was him and and Rocket, but we don't know when they got together. But we can assume it was probably when they were when he was an adult already. Sure, and so, by, we don't know how don't know. Groot is. He's it's going to turn out Groot like Jar Jar Binks, and actually he's just a really stupid one of them. <laughs> by him <laughs> saying by him saying I love you guys is almost that moment of. Groot is speaking their language for just a moment, right? right you know, right. Uh, maybe it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just if, doing it now because it's it's an if, important thing to him to say. If James Gunn listens to this and he wants to come tell us that we're fucking wrong and that no, it is the audience, then yeah. awesome. I will. I'd love to be wrong. I, I will accept it if James Gunn states Gunn. that. Then I I totally will accept that. That's what happened. Yep. Uh, I will it, say I like I like where we ended up. I liked that. Uh, I like that. We- we ended up with uh, uh, Gamora seeming really happy. Yeah, like, that was really good to see. That like those Going were her to people. The, that was her, those are her family now. She found a new family. Whatever, yep, whatever it means, and that's part of why I don't know. That's part of why I think she remembers everything. Yeah. Uh, is, that's part of why I think is because the Gamora, like Tim's saying, the Gamora we might have met before, I don't think would have been that much of a joiner. But I, uh, interesting note about the Ravagers. There, uh, it's it's so tiny. It doesn't matter. Uh, so originally, mainframe the floating head robot head was voiced by Miley Cyrus, and uh, the voice of mainframe was replaced by Tara Strong. Oh, who so, sounds a lot like Miley? Yeah, Cyrus. I mean it doesn't yeah. matter at all, right? Yeah, nobody, um, nobody noticed. Yeah. They were fools. So uh, another thing I want to note about this is, um, so a, a lot of people have been saying like, oh, you know, Marvel. Cinematic Universe or Marvel movie fatigue mm-hmm. for the past, mm-hmm. you know, 
three or four. This phase, Especially basically. with all the shows. For this phase. Yeah. They've, they've said, like, yeah, Disney Plus shows have been really, really good, but, you know, the, the movies have been kind of meh, you know, not amazing. Mm-hmm. Not not what you'd kind of come to expect. I think anyone that feels that way maybe is going to change their mind after this one unless they're really set in their in their opinion. Or they hate the Guardian. Similar, yeah, right. Similar to the way that everyone was talking about, oh, it's too funny. Marvel's too funny. Oh, Love and Thunder was too funny. And then they did Wakanda Forever, and it was like, well, you can't, you can't fucking say everything's too funny yeah. now, can you? There's like... Yeah. Yeah, now it's too serious. <laughs> you know, uh, I wanted to say um, in, in reference to the high evolutionary um, that one of the things I enjoyed is the final boss battle in this movie was a complete beatdown, and I enjoyed yeah. that. That the guardians show up and they just kick the shit out of him. Yeah. yeah, they just he, it's it's not like, oh, it's it's a tough fight and it's it's so close and they barely pull out a win at the end. It's like, no, they just fuck his shit up. Yeah, he's fragile. Yeah. He's not yeah. a warrior. Stomp the legit. Yeah. villain. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I and I like that because it is different because because it is it is not something we've come to expect. We've come to expect yeah. that that uh, that villain is going to present to them a huge challenge. And and the fact is, when they actually have the opportunity to go mano a mano with him, it, he's nothing. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I like that. I uh, I really like that Peter goes back to Earth to see his grandpa mm-hmm. at the end. I thought that was just the right kind of sentimental. Uh, the fact that you think about this poor man whose daughter died very young of cancer and his like what nine-year-old grandson was abducted the very same day and never knew anything. Basically to him, his daughter died and his grandson just disaffucking peered. Yep. And no, he probably years ago. And he probably years ago. and he probably blames himself because he was the one that that told Peter to wait outside the room. Yep. One hundred percent. There was nobody with Peter at all. Peter wasn't supervised at all, and then he was gone. Yep. You and know? so imagine the guilt and the and the the sadness and the grief that guy has probably felt all this time. And so for Peter to go back and him to get to see him and for them to get to to catch up. And I was really glad that his grandpa still had all his faculties. They didn't do the really yeah. easy dementia card where he gets there. It's like, oh, you're too late. Oh, you waited too long or anything. Nope. It's it's it was very good. And uh, I really, really liked that as the end credits or post credit scene. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I plus, agree. it sets Quill to be up on Earth for who knows what's next. Like, I mean, we don't know. Who knows where he's going to show up next? That could be very interesting. So next up is the Marvels oh, okay. in, I'm so in November. I got to say, <laughs> the then, trailer that um, I've seen for the Marvels, I, I'm excited. I really am. So fucking great. Yeah. And uh, next before that in the MCU is uh, next month, almost a month from now is the six episode uh, secret invasion. Mm. And then in October is the second season of Loki. And then hot on the heels of the Marvels is echo. And I think all three of those are going to be fucking fantastic. Those all sound really great. Well, I'm in, I'm in. All right. Well, we're looking forward to more Marvel. Make mine Marvel as always. Uh, Thanks for listening. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, like us on our, I don't know, on Twitter, I guess. I don't think we're really on Twitter anymore. I mean, Molly Glover is still on Twitter because I will watch this ship sink. But uh, (laughs) otherwise, Facebook is 
is the main way. Maybe you've checked out our shiny, fancy website. Ooh. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful on mobile and on desktop. Thanks to friend of the show, Jeffrey Brown, for his amazing web skills. If you like it and you're like, hey, I need a web page, message us. We'll get you his information. Patron supported. That's right. Yeah. And thanking our patrons. That is one of the reasons that we are still kicking. If you want to become a patron, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash geeks without God and supporting us there. Patrons got to listen to this episode early. I mean, sometimes it's really early and sometimes it's not that early, but you know, one does as one can. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, thank you all so much. And we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. I am Groot. Yeah, luckily they didn't ring the fucking doorbell.